Origin Clear is a company that focuses on wastewater treatment. And hello, everyone. And welcome to the Water's New Gold CEO Briefing. Our mission is to transform the water industry. Decentralization offers us this opportunity. The plan that you've built here is super impressive. The world is experiencing a crisis in regards to water. It's a great opportunity that you are giving us investors. The decentralization of water treatment means that we no longer need to establish giant water treatment plants. Let them fight over the 20%. Let's work with the 80% that's untreated. Over 21,000 unique alternative investments. Three million jobs in the U.S. alone. Making it easy for the regular investor. All the old trends just accelerated. Lucrative and fulfilling. The vision I've got is to standardize these products. Design build, own, and operate. We have 65 people in the room. We got an important message here to the world. We can put a guy on the moon, but our water is horrible. Recycling all that water, it's a huge impact for the environment. Bringing new infrastructure in, drive growth in America. That's a critical part of the picture. It's a twin 125-gallon-per-minute RO system. I don't think we're talking about a $10 million fund. We're talking about a series of $10 million. Yeah. The opportunity itself is very big. To live, yes. Take care of the water. Not too many CEOs do a weekly briefing and are willing to talk to individual investors. And welcome everyone to the briefing. So it is April 14th already. Wow. Um, we got uh, this weekend, we got Easter. Briefing number 155, and we are helping the world invest in water. This is our breakthrough, and you're going to hear a lot about that today with the status of things. Karen Kirk is good. Thank you for that. Uh, so, and it's stable and French and friendly, and it's an asset class that has just begun its run. How exciting. All right. Uh, then quickly, obviously, we are constantly um, reassuring you that we try our very best to tell like it is, but we have to qualify our statements. And, you know, we... We do uh, have things that don't bear out as we expected, but we try and correct it as fast as possible. I think we've been very good about doing what we say and saying what we're doing. All right, so I did a little graph today to visualize our annual growth. And this kind of gives you an idea where the, um, the company is going in terms of its ordinary business. This is not water on demand. This is the, the, the selling of either standardized systems in modular water or engineered systems, which are custom systems over progressive water. So this is an interesting graph because it shows in the far right, our 2021 revenue, which is basically flat as we uh, reported last year, uh, last week rather. And um, sales were, were higher, um, about you know over 5 million, well over 5 million. And then, um, Q4, it got up into the $9 million range annualized. And for the whole year, the book orders was 12 million. So I see this as a big uh, growing wave that starts low and just grows, 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 grows. And that is what's happening. What is the determining factor here? The passage of time. The team in uh, McKinney, Texas are nose down, tail up in there, you know, Stoop labor, oh my gosh, they are working so hard and um, they're delivering as fast as they can. Cash flow is good. 
uh, lots of business and, you know, they can afford to not worry too much about sales just now because they got so much to catch up on. And they really, in order to, um, you know, make their public happy, they have to do that. Here's what's going on. They are actually turning away from low margin jobs. If it's not a high margin, they just don't bid it. It's a wonderful position to be in. And clients understand this. This marketplace is one where there's a, a shortage of good, reliable um, hardware, given all the supply chain issues and all the ups and downs of the marketplace. So, you know, progressive water treatment and modular water are benefiting from a tremendous amount of momentum. And they're, it's, I'm so happy that they don't have to shave their prices that they can say, well, no, we're not going to book a deal just because it'll give, you know, corporate a big number. And uh, I'm happy with that. So that's just a, a good thing overall. So with that, I'm going to run a video first. It's going to be the second part of that podcast that I played. It's just going to give some really interesting statements that lead up to our big announcement. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Today's guest is Riggs Eckleberry. He's the CEO and founder of the innovative water technology company, Origin Clear. You know, it's almost funny reading in a bio, like, because you think about big tobacco and big alcohol and all, whatever, all these different things we throw. And then you read like the big water industry. It's almost like, it's almost funny, you know, reading like that. But are you getting a ton of pushback from organizations that already have this cornered a little bit? Like, has that been the biggest roadblock to making this something that, you know, is decentralized? No, there's a lot of excitement about it. And here's why. Hmm. In energy, all the big energy utilities are fighting solar because it's revenue to them. Yeah, right. In the water industry, it's different. They don't have, they're dealing with um, lots of rate problems. The municipalities are being mandated to reduce toxins and do this and do that. And, and there's, uh, COVID has caused all this rural growth. So you have these tiny municipal systems all of a sudden being overburdened by, mm-hmm. you know, yuppies showing up and working out of their home office in the sure. middle of nowhere. And yeah. there's all this disruption happening. They don't have the budget. Water rates are exploding and that's hard on populations. So they can't do it a lot. And so they're like, okay, great. You're going to treat your own water and give us treated water. Great. That's fantastic. Uh, let us know how it goes. Right. And so there's a lot of acceptance of that. Now in the water industry, I'm talking to companies that are like, hey, great. You're raising money from investors. I got a project for you. Today, I spoke to a a friend of mine uh, who we worked with in the early frack days, in fact, and (laughs) called him up and he said, Riggs, I was still in a speed dial. And, you know, more than 10 years later, we're, we're, we're in touch again. And he says, I've got a golf course in San Diego, and they need what we call uh, Blackwater um, research, which means taking care of the sewage um, Mm -hmm. without having to go to a sewage. In other words, being completely offline. They need it, and they're stuck for money. You want to do it? I'm like, yes, right? So there's pent-up demand for funding these projects, and um, we don't do we're not going to make you lease it or finance it. No, just pay for usage, hmm. right? The same way, uh, you know, I took a picture this morning of, I was uh, getting an espresso and the guy at the counter said, I said, how much did this thing cost? Because I'm in market for an espresso machine. He goes, we don't pay for that machine. We pay by usage. 
and the thing is maintained and the coffee shows up and if it's broken, it goes away. He's a happy camper because he didn't have to maintain the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, is he paying more for that cup of coffee? Yes, but he doesn't have to worry about all these issues about breakdowns right. and so forth. So anything as a service is the mm -hmm. new, new thing. Yeah. That's just how it is. And so people are delighted to go, that, that brewery, uh, we have a very, um, we have a competitor called Cambrian Innovations, great company. They're on, they're, um, they do a lot of work in Northern California with breweries. And they come along when these breweries are literally don't know what to do next. They're trucking their wastewater to another county, right? Mm -hmm. And they go, here, sign here. You got your machine. It's all good. Pay us by the gallon. And the mm -hmm. brewery goes, okay, fine. <laughs> they sign. It's so simple, right? Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. Cambrian is funded by VC funding, um, which is great. Mm -hmm. But what we've chosen is to open it up to the world's investors, similar to master limited partnerships in oil and gas, where you and I, we can invest in an oil well and get dividends. Mm -hmm. Well, why not do it with water? And so what we're doing is we're doing a much broader uh, and essentially building this, this water on demand thing is inherently open, a, a democratic approach. And here's the interesting thing, Eric, every single asset has been grabbed by the elites. We hear about you know, Bill Gates owning all the farmland and so forth and so on. Um, in fact, Jeff Bezos has more land than Bill Gates does, but that's fun fact. But um, there, and you know, price of gold just took off and oil and gas took off, everything took off. Water hasn't taken off. And we don't wanna have one Jeff Bezos. We wanna break Jeff Bezos into 10,000 investors. And it's, it's still, still lots of money, right? Mm -hmm. It's right. good. So yeah. we want uh, middle-class investors to benefit from helping water, right? Isn't that yeah. cool? Yeah. Well, it leads to my question, which is, I mean, obviously there's a benefit there for businesses or organizations using it. For those wanting to invest, I mean, what are you looking for in an investor? What's the, you know, what, you know, income range are you wanting for someone to be able to put into this? Because you know, sitting here, much of what you said went over my head. I'm sure I'd have to listen a few times to, to put it all together. But for someone sitting there that goes, you know, this makes sense. I would like to find out more, get a piece of this. Um, but I don't even know, like, is this a hundred thousand dollar investment? Is this, you know, half a million? Like, what am I putting into this? Uh, how can people find out more about that? What's the step someone should take if they're interested in what you're doing? Well, that was a great setup question. There you go. Yeah, slow pitch down the middle so you can knock it right out. But <laughs> Right? Um, it's very simple. Just go to originclear.com. There's a big green invest button in the top right. Occasionally, we have these offerings for unaccredited investors, but right now, it's accredited investors. Mm -hmm. What's that? It means make $200,000 a year or as a joint um, investor, $300,000. Now, it can be a spouse or a cohabitant, but that's mm -hmm. the rule or have a million dollars in net worth, excluding your primary home. Those are the requirements. If you're non-US, it's not the same. It's much, much easier. Uh, basically, if you represent you're accredited and you come from non-US, then we accept it. But if you're US, we have to verify that you are. Nominally, it's a $100,000 investment, but we, we're, we're happy to take smaller amounts because what we find is that people tend to reinvest. They like the experience. They like those dividend checks. They're like, oh, this is cool. And so we're not worried about, you know, okay, 
you've proven you could invest a hundred thousand, but if you only want to start with 20, it's perfectly fine. Not a problem. Now, if you're not accredited, then we are a public company, ticker symbol OCLN. It's a cheap stock. It's a penny stock. Feel free. Uh, it won't it won't bankrupt you. Just uh, jump into your little trading app and pick up some shares. And and what that does is, you know, uh, public companies, you know, people think of stock price as being key. It's not. It's how much it's traded, right? The the amount of trading volume is the key to how much of a currency you have uh, as a public company. And the more people are invested the more, I don't even look at the stock price. I'm interested in how many people are stockholders, right? Because the more we have, the more it's a movement. And that's, yeah. in my opinion, for example, Tesla. Tesla made it because Tesla became a movement, No, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. just Elon Musk. A lot of people believed in Elon Musk and that's what made it go. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's, it's when it becomes people that are just passionate, rapid fans of what you're doing. I mean, Apple, like, I mean, you, Mentioning Colts, I mean Tesla, <laughs> Apple. I mean the people that that support them support them to the dying end. I mean it is it is an incredible movement of people behind it. Um, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing so much of this, uh, and I know we have just a few minutes left, so I like to take everybody through uh, a quick random round, ask a couple fast-paced questions, and uh, let people get to know you just a little bit better before we close out the episode. Um, First and foremost, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? By the way, before we go on to this, I, I, I love how eclectic this has been. It's been completely outside the box. So thank you. It's been really <laughs> interesting. It's not my usual business podcast, but I love it. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Who you know and what you know. I'm a strong believer, having done the exact opposite in apprenticeship. Learn the trade you're going into. I can't tell you how many times I've gone, well, I can do that. <laughs> so yeah. Eventually, I worked my way through, but it's very costly to me, to the people that like, sounds like a good idea, Riggs, but geez, you, you could have figured it out a while ago. So, you know, learn a trade. I, I, I think that's the number one thing that, that one should do. Now, who you know does get you in the door. We know that. But um, I think it's vastly more important to become really, really conversant with the space you're going to go into. Uh, and, and, you know, like, for example, let's say you're starting an Amazon business, really learn how to run that Amazon business, mm-hmm. you know, on all the ins and outs of it and the cost per click and all da, 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 da. And then it takes off. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the importance of who, you know, I think has dramatically reduced since the advent of technology. Hmm. Hmm. I, I'm kind of curious on that front because there's, there's two different angles here. Like one, it's, it's good to educate yourself and improve where you are lacking knowledge in a certain area, but also in business, you can't learn every role, you know? So what, what's the balance between uh, working to improve something you're not naturally good at versus hiring someone else to do it for you? Like, do you think there's, should you try to have a basic understanding of every aspect of your company? Should you focus on learning you know, the things that are aligned with your strengths and then hire out the rest? Uh, what do you recommend there? Well, I think that people who want to make it um, fast and with a lot of upside in business should focus on sales, okay. right? You can hire engineers. You can hire accounts. It's very hard to hire good salespeople. And um, 
I think that if you can master the transactional side of your industry, let's say you go, okay, I'm going to go into real estate. Well, you can, again, you can hire a property appraiser, right? But can you sell those houses, right? right if exactly. you can do that, then everything else is fine. So, um, you know, now it takes what, I don't know if you're allowed to say it anymore, balls. It takes a certain amount of gut to go out there and do it. But if you can do that, um, then you, you, can, you can bring in your partners and, and the technologists and so forth. You know, uh, I come back to Juan Hubbard, you know, he had a saying, complexity is proportional to the degree of non-confront or simplicity is proportional to the degree of how much you've confronted something, right? The more you learn about confront something, the simpler it gets. Hmm. Something seems complicated is because you haven't mixed it up with it. You haven't gotten involved with it. And as you get involved, you go, well, okay, you know, this is not the end of the world. I can figure this out, you know, yeah. okay. You know, I, I got stuck with the tax problem the other day. Well, I just, okay, fine. I don't want to know about it, but I have to. And eventually it turned out it wasn't that complicated. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, confront things that seem complicated is the way to do it. And of all business challenges, the one that people have the hardest time with, in my opinion, is getting out there and selling. Yeah. And selling solves the problems. If you can make enough money, you can hire the person that knows how to do it at the very least. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Well, you know, I, I personally love to teach people how to ski. <laughs> so oh, okay. Well, I could go. do that all day long. I, just, I, I love the dynamics, uh, you know, because skiing is a physical activity, but it's also highly mental. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to do all kinds of counterintuitive things. If, when I get somebody, I do it as a, as a hobby. My wife uh, runs a tutoring operation and we take the kids to the mountains and, and I teach the kids. But I love, you know, because people get this joy, like, wow, I can do this beautiful thing. I can fly down the mountain, complete safety. How cool is that? Mm. So that's what I would be. If I can, mm. I wouldn't make a dime doing it, but that's what I would do. There you go. <laughs> um, if you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I would say the most interesting person that I could think of would be uh, Saint-Exupéry, the guy who wrote The Little Prince. Hmm. Fascinating. You know, he, he, um, he, was a pilot. He was involved in the early days of aviation. The stuff he wrote down was probably one tenth of what he went through. Hmm. You know, and he had these amazing stories about you know night flight, vol de nuit, the night flight. The you know uh, these these pilots um, traveling in the middle of nowhere and sometimes disappearing and never coming back. In fact, yeah. I think that's what happened to him. So um, I could sit with Antoine de Saint Exupéry for a long time and and I would want to know what what is it that you're still trying to figure out mm -hmm. because he was so out there and but I believe the more out there you go the more questions you have and I'm yeah. interested in those questions yeah love it uh how do you like to learn best you mentioned reading um but what's your favorite way to consume new information you know what these days uh I have become a telegram addict, I must say. Interesting. And okay. I have, uh, I, because, you know, it's uh, the, the problem we have with, with conventional media is that um, it's, it's so owned by sponsors and so commercially mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, taken over that it's hard to say what's true or not. And I can tell you that the stuff on Telegram is just as crazy, but at least you have a chance to like sort your way through it and figure out who's who. And the, um, you know, the, the Jeremy, the, the person who owns Command Your Brand that booked this podcast mm-hmm. has a Telegram channel. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm on it because yeah. he's kind of a cool guy. So I think that the new opinion leaders, new influencers are coming out uh, out of this interesting era where there were attempts by the mainstream social media to, to quell misinformation. And I think to, it, it created a lot of, I'm not gonna say whether that was right or not, it's a whole, it's a whole other topic, but it created a lot of um, alt media. Mm-hmm. And we're in that period now where people are, are sort of figuring out what's what. And I think that we underestimate people's ability to, to see the truth. People mm-hmm. do figure it out. If you give them enough information, don't try and pre-digest everything for them all the time. Yeah. I think that's counter, counterproductive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we could do a whole podcast episode on that, uh, censorship in general. Um, but uh, alas, we uh, have to keep moving through. Uh, give me a glimpse of your morning routine. What does that look like for you? I have an interactive rower. I'm a big, big I, I, if I could row on the water, I could, I would, but it is what it is. So, you know, I, I try and get in my rowing. Um, and then I've learned that get ahead of everybody else. Start, start lapping other people, get way ahead of other people. So you're controlling the conversation in email and Zooms and whatever. And that way, because I hate like, oh, here's the next call. Oh my God, here's the next mm-hmm. Zoom. Here's the next. And I feel like I'm being overwhelmed. Yeah. So getting ahead of it is where it's at. And then I do like to end up with a dinner with friends. I, I've missed that. And we're coming back to it. Thank God we're back into that. You know, small groups, yeah. serving the risotto with, a, with friends. And isn't that? Right. That's so needed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your go-to pump-up song? Anything but a Clash. I love the Clash. Okay. They're, they're great. <laughs> uh, you know, I, t- I told someone earlier, anybody that doesn't say Eminem, because uh, that's always the default <laughs> entrepreneur answer, Eminem, anything by Eminem. So anytime anyone says anything else, they get a point. So, uh, so congratulations on that. Down at the Grove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is one thing that you're not very good at? I'm not good necessarily at teaching people hmm. i think i'm a good coach for physical things I, i'm a i wrote i i've coached crew you know rowing i've coached skiing sailing I'm a, I'm a really good teacher of sailing so it's physical but i'm less good with um theory my wife is fantastic at that she's she's a child whisperer for she does for a living and i'm less good at that i tend to get a little bit ahead of people I noticed so right um but then again i like doing the physical stuff with people that's what i love to see them you know take control of their body and make it do things that's kind of cool yeah that's awesome last question here and I'll, i'll let you get on your way um what is the number one place for people to connect with you if they wanted to reach out to you if they wanted to follow your journey on social media what's the best place to do that well, the first thing they should do is they should go to originclear.com and sign up for my newsletter because when they get my newsletter and they hit reply, it does go in my inbox. So hmm. it's not one of those no reply type emails. It, I do get the replies and we try 
to, I actually like to hear from people and see what they think and reply to them and so forth. That's number one. Um, number two is, uh, you know, Facebook origin clear, facebook.com slash origin clear is a great place to go. And we, you know, I try to post personally as much as I can there. The truth is, is that if you become too removed from your audience, then they feel it, they know it, mm -hmm. right? I think that that's where Elon Musk is. So he, he, you know, we look up to him so much because he's, he's personal, right? He says, I'm not going to let Starlink censor. I'm like, yeah. All right. I like that. Go for it, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it makes a big difference. And, and I think it speaks volumes when somebody who's dealing with a large company is responding to people and taking the time to hear other perspectives. I think that's, that's huge, but um, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on today's episode and uh, really interesting conversation. There's a million threads, uh, social media censorship to everything we talked about. I mean, we could go, uh, go for hours, I think on all this, but uh, I really appreciate the conversation and, and learn quite a bit. So thank you so much. It was a great privilege. Thank you, Eric. I hope you enjoyed that little bit. That's part two of this really great podcast. These podcasts are great because you get a chance to sit down and kind of be in the Joe, Joe Rogan mode of just discussing things at length. I personally think it's really, really valuable. Um, and yes, I see that uh, uh, Clayton was interested in the ticker for the company, which is um, OCLN, as Kevin pointed out. And um, Rick Garcia says, love that book, Le Petit Prince. Uh, that was one of uh, Saint-Exupéry's great uh, books. There were so many. Ken Berenger says, my whole life has changed in a week. Well, we're going to find out more about that. Let's get into it. I'm now going to review the announcement that we're talking about here. And um, here is the um, new tagline, Origin Clear, a springboard for water innovation. Hi, I'm Rick Zackleberry, co-founder Chairman, CEO of Origin Clear. And the board of directors of Origin Clear have decided on this day, the 13th of April, to make a whole new structure to what we're doing here at Origin Clear. Until now, throughout our history, we've been working to aggregate value, to create a more powerful company. In the process, we've felt that it, it wasn't quite doing justice to the individual pieces. Most importantly, this amazing water on demand project, which is now turning into the most promising way to expand the production of clean water in the world by a significant factor. And so we've decided to start with water on demand and to spin it off into its own entity and then to build it up with the capital that it needs to do the job that it has to do. We think it's something that is truly world-changing and lots of work ahead, but big things are happening and I'm so grateful that you're here to hear about it and to hear more every single week. Thank you very much. Let's take a look at the actual data information. The Form 8K that was filed today and uh, based on the events of yesterday. And uh, what this thing says right here is we, uh, the board of directors approved the plan to spin off its water on demand business into a newly formed wholly owned subsidiary, water on demand. And it also approved the issuance of rights to receive shares in water on demand Inc. as a bonus to the purchasers of a series Y preferred shares. 
which are currently being offered. That's a typo there, pursuant to a private placement, series Y. Okay, and we're going to complete the incorporation very shortly. So that's that's the short part of it. But I thought I would show you the uh, board consent. Hey. Here it is. All right, let's take a look at this thing. So whereas we got this series Y, which, uh, you know, if you want to know the deals, details of this, talk to Ken. I'm not going to get into it now. And whereas we reached the $1 million milestone on March 23rd, and whereas we got this agreement principle with Envirogen, a 30-year international provider of um, basically uh, a lot of good stuff, including operations and maintenance. Um, so then we resolved that we we're going to pursue a spinoff strategy designed to uh, ma maximize shareholder value with a pilot program being water on demand. So first of these is water on demand, and then that we're going to incorporate water on demand business unit and uh, <clears throat> determine the capital structure, which I'll tell you more about. And it is further resolved that we're gonna create the bonus preferred shares on a pro rata and pari passu basis. Pro rata means in, in proportion, pari passu means equal, treating people equally as a further incentive to subscribe to the offering. So, and this also applies to people who have, people who've, you know, invested a couple million dollars already, they get retroactively this benefit because obviously we treat everybody in the series Y the same way, but there's going to be a limit to this, which I'll tell you about. Okay. And also there's going to be a funding plan for water and demand, which will include unaccredited investors. Woohoo. Finally, um, we're going to do more subsidiaries such as modular water systems, and maybe it's pump stations business. That's how you move water around. And we're very good at that. So that is the totality of the um, announcement. And so to take a look at what it means, um, basically what we got is, is these things coming out. And um, what we're doing is we're setting aside 10% of Water on Demand Inc. for the first $20 million of investment, which includes the $2 million raised so far, um, that the series why people put in. And once that $20 million has been raised, that's the 10%. It's done. And it's a permanent 10% also. Now that we're going to raise a lot more than that uh, to capitalize water on demand, but you know, it's the first 20 million that's going to be everything. We do that, you know, with through the uh, beauties of leverage and so forth. The rest of it is going to be, in fact, Ken, you and I, we can't get paid after that because it'll be so easy that we'll have to pay the company to let us do this fun stuff. Right, they'll just be throwing money at me and, you know, I am not worthy. Exactly. Um, and then we have the yeah. future spinoffs, et cetera. But go but, ahead. Yeah, no, so no, I, this is interesting. We, we were in a conversation. We said, I want to show you my flow chart. And I think he got a call. It was like five o'clock today. And I said, oh yeah, that's great. Let's see it. It's the first time I'm seeing it too, folks. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> These are the things that we've worked out over the course of the last several weeks. Um, I, I don't want to over disclose in, in this conversation, but the details that we have already kind of figured out here are really amazing. They're super exciting and they really fit in keeping with, if you look at the last two or three super duper, I'm talking gigantic FinTech plays that, have, that were kind of legendary um, kind of legendary, uh, you know, made people wealthy type thing. Uh, things like Stripe and things like Airbnb. Uh, this is keeping very much in uh, in line with that overall strategy, right? Because uh, water on demand is a fintech, after all. But I, 
I can't stress enough. I think the most exciting part of how fintech just makes makes the makes the movement and the velocity of money virtually infinite, which is why they're valued so high, right? Um, but the fact that we've wrapped fintech around this amazing new asset class, when I talk to people about it who think more of generationally in terms of their investments, they're blown away because traditional um, assets right now are, are always subject to the next controversy, right? Whether it's a massive rate hike or if it's a war, you know, with Russia invading, uh, you know, Ukraine with respect to oil. So this, uh, I'm, I'm so excited about this because this gives us a chance to kind of birth the baby. We're in, we're in, we're in, uh, we're in Holy Week. So we're kind of giving birth to the baby without original sin. Right? <laughs> well you know, said. It's, it's you know, we're, it's good. Th- it's Holy Thursday today. My, my, my kids are at church right now. I'm working. Daddy's working. But um, it, it, it just, it allows us, look, I can't tell you, and I told you this, Riggs, how many conversations have I had with people like blown away with this, when I'm, I'm talking much deeper stuff than we talk about on the briefing. And they're like, God, if you guys were private, they could throw tons of money at you, right? And we weren't going to bring Origin Clear uh, private. It didn't make sense, right? Um, but making this its own entity as a private company where we can do these VC type of raises, but putting our people first, putting, you know, making them the Ashton Kutchers, making, making them the Peter Teals. Um, that's a... Uh, and really if hard. anybody does not know what Ken is talking about, you got to be in his briefing where he shows you the spreadsheets of how Ashton Kutcher made way too much money. Peter right. Thiel made, made way too much money. Right. Don't, don't get, don't, don't give away. Don't, don't read the last page. Uh, I, I, <laughs> just a little, a little, yeah, look, it's, it's a very, look, it really, what it truly is, is it's a compelling story um, that repeats itself repeatedly that the, the, the transformational wealth building that's happened in, in the last 20 years among you know, the Elon Musk, Elon Musk became a billionaire with what? PayPal, right? Uh, so did Peter Thiel, right? PayPal, right? So what they, what they were was early investors, right? Transformational life-altering wealth happened in the past two, two or three decades, not like the robber baron eras, uh, but they, they happened by people positioning se- themselves in the very first venture capital rounds of something that truly became a game changer, truly transformational, and and I, we're we're really following that, we're following those uh, that pattern almost, almost perfectly, and I'm really excited about it. And with that, I want to welcome Andrea to the call. He was, we know he's in LA because he got stuck in traffic, so therefore, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. He said traffic, LA, yeah, right away. You know, that's something exactly right. Exactly right. I see. Something I see that you is. know. I see that you know that. Oh Lord. So yeah, no, we've had a wonderful day today, and uh, you, I, you arrived while I was uh, showing off the 8K and so forth. But um, you know, th- there's something really interesting I want to I want to explore. Um, I'm going to go back and share screen because um, we're talking about the bigger picture here, and there was a very interesting um, research piece by GoldMoney.com, which talks about how. Russia and China and other um, economies are tying their currencies to commodities and production instead of collapsing financial assets. Now, of course, this newsletter says, well, that means you got to go with gold. gold, Okay, uh, fine. And which over time is tied to commodity energy prices. I would say that's a very indirect relationship. 
because gold, you know, I've got gold in my safe, but it's not earning interest. It's just right. sitting there. Now it's better than cash. And I'm glad I have it. But if you really want to look at what is the, the coming, the new, new thing is commodities and production. Right. Commodities and production, by which I mean, it's a commodity like water and it produces, means it produces income. And uh, as I said the other day, when I was interviewed by Business Insider, I said, listen, it's, everything's going to go to a basket of commodities, uh, income earning commodities. And you know, savvy investors are going to own those. And of course, I, I said, and next time we talk, I'm going to tell you about how water is so hot because it's just starting, whereas it's not priced out of sight. But we're watching all this happen. And first of all, here's one thing I've, I've started to believe. It is not the end of the world. <laughs> What's going on? All this noise. I'm like, funny. We know what? It's it wasn't the last on. three times either, right? Yeah, it wasn't the last three times either, right? Oh, Lord, right? So it's like, it's going to be fine. You're going to have to scramble to make sure that, that your wealth is protected and your income is protected. But, you know, as it says in this paragraph, it's the end of the 51 years of the dollar regime. But that does not mean that you can't invest dollars in something that has permanence, such as a commodity. And that's where I really think this is um, a vital program and why our new tagline, which is a springboard for water innovation. That is what we are. So not only are we innovating water on demand, but we are innovating these other things. Now, you, you said fintech. Now, we don't normally think of water as a fintech. Water is you know, a bunch of Did purification I systems. Away? Did I give something away? No, 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 not, oh. not at all. Because, because here's the fact. Um, water is the building of systems, just like um, you know, uh, Airbnb is, is involves physical locations, right? But the value of Airbnb is not the physical locations. Those belong to individuals. It is the actual um, you know, uh, magnet and the, the, the sort of uh, marketplace that Airbnb has created. Now, what I'm saying is a fintech does not try to get involved with the sausage making underneath it. Right. 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 That's the key. So right. we, have, we have unbundled the funding of water treatment from the execution of water treatment. We know that we can raise money much faster than we can build anything. Um, you know, the poor guys over at, over at uh, McKinney, Texas and uh, Newcastle, Virginia are, um, you know, running like crazy to try and deliver $12 million worth of sales. Well, now what if we gave them $100 million? Forget about it. So we'd have to sit there and build. It would take a couple of decades. So we've made this, this conscious decision and, we're, and people in the company are going, we're going to build this, right? No, 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 we're not going to build it. But yeah, well, what about the money in it? Well, excuse me, we start building. Then we violate this rule that I learned in the, in the dot-com, which is to never compete with your natural partners. We're going to give these projects to the water companies. You know, a project in Atlanta gets a water company in Atlanta. And also, we're democratizing the investment. Instead of all the money coming from municipal bonds negotiated by Goldman Sachs, no, regular investors get to put it there their investment in. So we're creating all this disconnection from ordinary mechanisms. And we've talked a lot about crypto, but truthfully, we don't need crypto to make this happen. We, it, there's, a, there's a crypto potential for sure, but 
this thing all by itself, I mean, Stripe is worth $125 billion even without crypto. 152. 152. 152. Because that because that was like 125 was like yesterday. <laughs> um, you got to keep up. Um, oh God! To, to you know to kind of to kind of uh, maybe almost kind of add to but come at it from a different angle with what you said. Um, Airbnb is a hundred billion dollar valuation. They don't own anything, but they do handle the. Basically, it's the velocity of money, right? Every piece they could potentially officiate or or or. Uh, handle every rental property transaction globally they could do that like i could buy a place in montana never look never see it and rent it to andrea and have never met him and that could that's the first so the potentiality of it is so massive that's why it's 100 billion can you imagine the valuation of airbnb if they owned the real estate well that's that's water on demand well well, importantly though but 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 they don't operate the real estate it's it's whatever you yeah in fact, right. I think that is smarter. What on the many is smarter because because it's not like we work. You know, the the company we work that had all the buildings and so on and so forth. Yeah. We are free from the risk. Like, oh, absolutely. This is wonderful. It's way better. Absolutely. We we own the building, but we don't ha- but we don't manage the building. Really, in a sense, you know, like Airbnb, you know, they have to handle that stuff. I, I simply meant from a market size, it's it's phenomenal. And you're right, it is smarter. Um, and you do look, you're violating your, the natural tendency to want to have it all. Um, having it all slows you down tremendously. I mean, in this case, it would be catastrophically, right? We can have exponential growth by simply not trying to have it all. Also, by doing this, what you just said, Riggs, never compete with your natural partners. We are now offering the uh, a trillion dollar industry something. It's an offer they can't refuse. It's the ability to finance all of their stuck projects. And, and, and give them, you know, and be able to kind of give them a, a, almost a global footprint, which is something they wouldn't be able to do stink, thinking very parochially, which is how the water business has existed for the past hundred years. Am I right? Well, exactly. And um, I also want to talk even more about a fintech aspect that we've been exploring recently, which is the leverage factor, right? Oh, and so right. we come okay. to this, this um, you know, let's say that we, we have, um, you know, this shows how we have a million dollar investment in water systems generates 10% net profit, just just off the bat. You know, it could be 15%, whatever. And the net profit then is this much. And therefore we pay out of that 100,000, we pay $25,000, right? But what about if we um, leverage that money? And that's where the royalty paid on the actual investment rises. That becomes something very interesting, right? So literally a four to one ratio of leverage multiplies the investors. He still gets 25% of $400,000. Four times as much, right? Four Four times times as much as he was gonna get. So leverage purchasing power. As we leverage. Now this is the benefit of keeping the machines in house, right? right? Right. That, That these machines now are the security for the leverage, which directly benefits the investor. Now we're only doing four to one, as opposed to some banks do 26 to one, because we actually would not like to have the thing fall apart. We're trying to do it very conservatively. And also we're we're not too big to fail. So therefore we have to kind of do it 
the old-fashioned right. way. Yeah, the mortgage business just made these derivative things and the government bailed them out. We probably don't want to go there, right? Yes, exactly. So this is something that, that we'll be further quantifying, but it's something that's come out of our discussions recently, and I wanted to mention that. So, and one final thing that, that in terms of leverage, we talked about focusing on finance, delegating the, the building of the machines and, the, and their maintenance. But now, what about if we build a financial network and we start having financing hubs in Dubai, in London, in Singapore, in Tokyo? These are financing hubs for water on demand for their regions. Right. So fi financial, financial, financial nervous centers, right? New York, Dallas, Atlanta, Miami. Then you get into Tokyo, London. Uh, these are these are epi these are financial epicenters, right? Where there's a concentration of wealth that don't have access to these types of opportunities. These these could interconnect these things. We could essentially be that lattice work that runs over over the top of it, which is I mean just it's breathtaking in its potential scope. So what we're doing is we're exporting a working model. What we're doing right now is doing it in the U.S. with just one air with Clearwater, Florida, doing the financing. It's all right. good. We're not going ahead of getting ahead of ourselves, but by building the secret sauce and getting it all working and doing it doing it right, um, it works. All right. Well, it's it's getting on ten to nine, and I wanted to say that um, we will be discussing further next week about the business model, talking about you know there's some hybrid models out there that are not um, pure uh, paper gallon, which we'll get into. Uh, and so we'll talk about those types of things. Meanwhile, you can talk to Ken. You know, we're going to give you an opportunity to really hear some of the inside scoop uh, because Ken actually knows more than what we discussed here. Just saying. I'm just, you know, uh, lift it, lifting the... Uh, lifting the, the veil. Hem, the hem just a little bit. Oh, just, the, yeah, just, just a little ankle. A little ankle. Good. Well, anyway, so that's that's it for tonight. Um, it's it, we're, we're so excited because Ken, Ken is like, Ken's been trying to talk, not talk about this special carve out right. for two weeks now. And right. And, and, and when you and I discussed how, how it actually affects the investors, it was like I just said, you know, I just. You you want to I mean, you really want to communicate that really, really bad. Right. So um, the, the, be able to, the ability now to discuss this more openly, and I can also, look, I'm, I'm literally one-on-one -on -one with you in the development of this rollout spinoff mm -hmm. uh, VC thing. So uh, I will be able to kind of give you some very, very well thought through potential, you know, potential plans uh, that, we're, that we hope to, uh, and, 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 and what those implications could be. And it's, it's really, really exciting stuff. So oc.gold forward slash Ken. Just like that. And like next that. week, as I was saying, we will get into the business model versions, which we're starting to get very sophisticated. Also, we're going to have more news about that. Um, the one hotel uh, launch that's occurring and um, how, what part of we have in it. It's been pushed back to June by the hotel chain. And Ken Bogart says, congrats on the spinoff. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I'm super happy that you guys are here to be on. Really, this is the red letter. The 13th of April was the red letter day for us. Thank you all for being on board. Andrea, I'm glad you're back in America, even though it's LA. And, Thank uh, you. Is that still America? <laughs> yes, LA is still America. Yes. Technically. America. 
America. America, right. All right, everyone. Listen, thank you very, very much. I appreciate you being on board. And um, do, do, do show up next week. Believe me, we have news every single week. And yeah, we just so scratched to the surface about. today, which is, which is hot. Yeah. Definitely. Thank All you, right. everyone. Andrea, you have a good weekend. In, in, thank um, you, guys. Smoggy LA and you, Ken, in Pittsburgh. And everyone who's tuned in, you guys are the best. See you next week. Ciao.